my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Sam Edis. And I'm Amy Nelson. Welcome to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. This is a show about the world's most remarkable women, their professional and personal journeys. Together, we'll hear from gold medalists, best-selling authors, and leaders of the world's most iconic brands. Listen every Thursday or join the conversation anytime on Instagram at What's Her Story Podcast. Nia Dennis is an American gymnast. She was a member of the USA national team from 2012 to 2016 and the junior all-around and vault silver medalist. She was a member of the UCLA women's gymnastics team where her famous floor routines went viral on the internet, amassing millions of views. Where does your story begin? I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Born and raised till about 14 years old, and then I moved to Chicago when I was 15, mostly for gymnastics, to get better training, Mm -hmm. to pursue my Olympic career. Um, I was training for the 2016 Olympics. Unfortunately, I tore my Achilles just before the Olympics, just three months before. Felt devastated, I was so mad, you know, depressed a little bit, didn't wanna continue the sport. But I had at that time already committed to UCLA verbally. So I was like, you know, I was feeling conflicted. But I did always know that I wanted to compete at UCLA, be a part of a team, be a part of a sisterhood, also go to school. Um, When I was training for the Olympics, I was homeschooled as well. Mm -hmm. So dedicating all my time to gymnastics. And, you know, I was also kind of an only child till I was 10 years old. So it was really like a lonely journey. So I couldn't wait to get to UCLA. So... I played competitive tennis growing up, and mm-hmm. I think that I always thought gymnasts and tennis players had something strong in common, like yeah. swimmers. There's just so few yeah. individual sports that require 
that much rigor and it is really lonely. How was your life when you were training before you got to college? I mean, what was what was your daily life like and your schedule? Oh my goodness. I was training 40 hours a week, gymnastics, and then I was homeschooled. So, you know, I was coming home from practice, an eight hour practice, and then just working on school on the computer. Sometimes I would do extra workouts outside of the workouts I was already doing. Um, not my choice, but so yeah, I was doing, like working out with football coaches. I was working out in sweatsuits and just weighing in, doing a, a lot of extreme things that kind of led to body image issues. Like weigh, I was weighing in probably every other day, and you know people are like, "Well, we don't see a change. You're not, you know." Oh my I'm like, goodness. "Well, I just weighed in a day ago. You know, like it's gonna be the same or whatever the case may be." I was on pretty extreme diets early on, and just like, yeah, dieting, what that can lead to, and just different yeah. things eating disorders, um, body image issues. That was kind of my life before college, but not necessarily knowing that and not really realizing that that's what I was going through until I was kind of out of it. How did you go from probably just taking gymnastics lessons mm-hmm. to being a competitive gymnast? Yeah. Like how old were you? How, how did that shift happen? Yeah, it was pretty drastic actually. Um, I just love gymnastics. I love the feeling of flying and I feel really free and I just love I have really good air awareness and I feel like I'm just floating, you know, I have a good time. And I started gymnastics when I was four and uh, when I was about 10 years old is when my coaches were like, she's way too good. Like she needs to go to the Olympics. And at this time I'm like, what's the Olympics? (laughs) I've never even heard of that before. Like what, you know? So it was really about 10 years old and my coaches were just like, everybody saw like a whole bunch of potential. And I'm just like, I don't know, like I'm just having a good time. And then honestly, that's when it kind of just started to get worse from there because it was like that pressure got added on the intensity just went up like 10 notches times 10 was your family part of the pressure yeah most definitely so so they they but they weren't before they saw the talent right so it was like the talent was recognized and then Mm -hmm. they got on board Mm -hmm. um was it your mom or your dad it was was a good mix a mix Mm -hmm. and what was that like how did you what was your relationship with them like and how has that evolved Oh, goodness. It's been a journey for sure. We didn't get along for a while. Not in necessarily too dramatic, like, you know, but um, I definitely started to resent them over the years because of how they were making me feel, because of the things that they were making me do. All this extra extreme, like, telling me, making me feel like I wasn't good enough mm. and not getting getting enough, we're proud of you, or not getting enough, you know, I see your effort. Even just, like, I see your effort, like, I would have appreciated that too. But I know that they just really wanted the best for me. They wanted to push me to just get to that next step, get to that goal. But yeah, sometimes it can get a little extreme and a little bit too far. And it was just a rocky time, a rough patch, just mm-hmm. feeling disconnected. And it's still a journey with my parents. I feel like I we had some conversations over the last couple of years about just our journey and like how I opened up to them, told them how they were making me feel. And, you know, they didn't know. They didn't know. A lot of the things that I was telling them, they didn't even know. Um, so they're like, well, we're sorry. Like, we didn't know. Aww, you know? Yeah. Now it's a cry. For a come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> and we're just all crying and everything. So, you know, we both kind of realized, like, we all didn't know what we were doing. And I had to learn to just kind of give some grace because they were just wanted the best. Even though I'm like, how can you, you know, like, how can you not know, like, how you were making me feel? Like, you, I feel like you could see it. But, you know. And everything happens for a reason, I believe, and I do feel like it made me stronger and 
kind of built and shaped me into the woman that I am today and, you know, how to move forward, what I'm not going to do. <laughs> exactly. You learn those things. So, you know, you had this devastating injury right before the Olympics, mm-hmm. but you upheld your commitment to UCLA and to be a part of the team. Yeah. Did you find the joy again in gymnastics? Did you love it again? Yes. I'm so glad I picked myself up and got to UCLA because that was my transformational years, my transition years. I really became a woman and I learned so much about myself. I started to heal. I started to shed layers, um, just learn so much about me that I didn't even know that my coach, Miss Val, she um, was head coach for UCLA Gymnastics for many years. Amazing woman. She's like a second mom to me and she just really valued my well-being over my talent as a gymnast. Mm -hmm. And before coming to UCLA, I felt like that's all I was, was a gymnast. I identified as a gymnast. I didn't know what else was there was to me. And she was the first one to kind of help me see, like, there's so much to You're a star. Like, you're a star. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, so she really just opened those doors for me. And, you know, you have to do the work. You have to want to do the work to heal and get better and just kind of shift your mindset and think positively um, because I do feel like I – had a negative mindset growing up, just that was my environment, you know, Mm -hmm. just all kind of negative, bottled up, tense energy, just kind of within. And um, I just started to become free at UCLA. So upon graduation, what did it feel like to enter this new adulthood chapter of your life? Stepping into adulthood has been a huge transition. Um, Feels like something's getting thrown at you left and right every day. Life is just lifing lately. Life has just been lifing, and I'm honestly enjoying it. I'm enjoying the new things that I'm trying to do. Like, I've spent so much time in gymnastics, so it's great to just explore all the other interests that I've had when I, since I was a kid but just didn't get to try out and mm-hmm. to just dedicate any time to. But honestly, the hardest thing I would say is taxes and learning about taxes because I'm like, <laughs> dang, what is all this stuff? Like, they didn't teach me this in school. I'm not ready. So, well, what is your relationship to money? Like, you know, we don't get to speak to a lot yeah. of 23-year-olds, and it isn't, like, how do you think about money? Well, um, I personally don't, well, I think money rules the world, mm-hmm. makes the world go round, and I wish it was love that made the world go round. Um, I just like money because I need it to survive. Absolutely. <laughs> and need it to live and, you know, ha- get basic needs for myself, but, you know, money isn't everything to me. I really am looking for passion, I look for fulfillment, I look for love and positive things, inspirational things, and things like what's her story and Maker's Conference, and yeah. yeah, yeah. So. And how do you spend your days? N- nowadays? Now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's been hard, honestly, because I'm such so used to like a regimented schedule, right. like 8 a.m. to 5 p. literally at 9 to 5, but mm-hmm. gymnastics, so it's been really hard because... I don't have anybody telling me what to do. And, like, I'm active. I want to be active. I want to be fit. I want to be tight. <laughs> tight and right in the gym, you know, <laughs> keeping it together. And um, so it was hard to try to find that motivation for a while. But yeah. eventually I found my groove and I figured out, honestly, what it, what it was was, like, I was putting so much pressure on myself. Like, I when I think of working out and when I think of just being fit, you know, it comes with, like, all the things that I'm used to, eight yeah. hours a day, 40 hours a week. And just all that intensity and learning to find growth in exercise and different types of exercise, like in yoga and um, 
Stairmaster, Pilates, just doing a whole bunch of different things that I've never done. Like, I'm just used to gymnastics workout, which is a whole bunch of stuff that it's like all full body working out. It's just weird. It's a lot of different things. But um, now I get to explore other types of working out, uh, uh, other forms of exercise that bring that make me feel good. And mm-hmm. I feel like I got I got better and I felt like I got one percent better, even if it wasn't huge. Like I had to just take that pressure kind of off of myself. Um, and it was a long time. It took a long time. But now I find a, I got a groove. I work out multiple times a week, but on my own terms. And I don't have the pressure. Like, if you don't feel like it today, girl, it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. tell yourself it's okay. So my days start with usually working out in the mornings. And I also, I'm a new dog mom now. Oh, so I got a little, a Cavalier King Charles. So you got the long throat, ears, Lady and the Tramp. Um, he's my bestie. And, you know, I love caring for him. He gets me outside, too. You know, he got to be outside, so I take him outside. <laughs> and um, I'm really focusing on dancing right now and kind of perfecting my dance craft. I've always loved to dance since I was a child. But, like I said, before, gymnastics took up that time. So now I'm trying to build my expertise in dancing. I just love performing in general. So even if I'm not that good, I'm a sell it. You know, you're not going <laughs> to know. What kind of dancing? Um, I'm focused on hip-hop right now, but... I just took a uh, jazz funk for the first time kind of a few weeks ago, and I love it. I think that's my style, honestly. Ah. I really do. I think it's really close to kind of gymnastics a little bit, and just in terms of sharp movements mm-hmm. that I can relate to. So so where yeah. can you take that? I really would love to go on tour with an artist, anybody. I would love to be in music videos, commercials. I've already done one commercial oh, for Old Navy. It's coming out soon. Oh, fun. I'm really excited. Yeah, I just... Love to, any any place that there's a stage and I could just get out there and move and just tell a story, whether it's, you know, crunk or funny or happy, whatever it is, upbeat or more contemporary even, I love to just move and tell that story. And now, a quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. 
OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. You seem to also have a really important story to tell other younger girls Mm -hmm. who are coming up in elite sports. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? Do you talk to young women who are in middle school or in high school who are whether they're, you know, in elite gymnastics or tennis or anything, mm-hmm. have you found a way to speak to those communities? I have before. I do a lot of gymnastics camps in the summer where I'm a coach or I'm a special guest, and they'll have me come and speak a lot of times. Um, I do speak, but a lot of gr- I find that at those gymnastics camps specifically, um, that girls gain a lot more from me being a coach to them rather mm-hmm. than me, like, you know, speaking to them, telling them my life story or yeah. whatever it is. Um but, you know, they just love that. And I love being able to help somebody achieve their goals, get better in a little bit, mm-hmm. in a little way, whether it's just like a little mental cue, like all you need is just think, go big or something, you know? And they're like, oh my God, Mia, all I, all I did was to do what you told me to do and I made it, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. That just brings me so much joy. I really love to to do that um, and inspire. But aside from kind of the gymnastics community, not necessarily. Tell us about the Olympic dream, Mm -hmm. and did that die completely when you got injured? (laughs) No. (laughs) So, like, here's my thing. I have really, like, vivid dreams, you guys. Like, messages, like, come to me in my dreams. And I made a vow to myself that whenever I would have a dream that had a very specific message, like, I was going to go for it. Even if I didn't make it, like, I was going to try. So, after... 2021 or 2020 when you know COVID happened and Olympics got pushed back a year all of a sudden I'm having all these dreams that I'm in the Olympics you guys oh and I was gosh. like no like I thought this was long and gone you know like I was like I already went through that like I thought I did that already um so I did try to go for 2021 unfortunately it didn't work out just because balancing college my senior year yeah. at college and trying yeah. to get back to those 40 hour regimen was just a little bit too much but um I do still do gymnastics all the time for events like this, for mm-hmm. commercials, for jobs. Everybody loves that I can flip. But I do love to do always just do gymnastics. Yeah. And, you know, 2024 isn't that far away. It's not. You know, so yeah. I don't know. I'm just keeping it in the back pocket just in I case. Love it. That's I so cool. love it. That's and really it great. sounds like you have the healthiest relationship with gymnastics that you've ever had. Yeah. So perhaps that's what's going to get you yeah. to reach your Olympic dreams. Absolutely. I really do feel like. I wasn't ready at that time. I do now realize it was a blessing in disguise. I wasn't really ready. I wasn't fully developed mentally and physically even just to take on that whole world, I feel like. I feel like I would have been just a head case. So I'm grateful for it. You mentioned before as part of this, you know, of your training that there was a lot around weight, a lot around Mm -hmm. food. What's your relationship with food like today? It's tricky. It comes and goes. It's like... I don't know. I try not to think about it too much because Mm -hmm. I feel like once I do start thinking about it over and over or just like really deeply, Mm -hmm. which is I think deeply about a lot of things, unfortunately, (laughs) overthinker. (laughs) But um, I feel like it does kind of take me back to like the past and that old place. Um, So I try to just 
go one day at a time, just take it as it comes. Um, I try not to overthink it. That's just where I'm at with it. How do you reconcile or think about what happened in terms of gymnastics and the sexual abuse scandal? You weren't directly affected by that, were you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I didn't okay. even realize that. No, it's okay. okay. I, didn't, I mean, I never told I my didn't. story. Oh, okay. What was your relationship to Nasser and the and the sexual abuse scandal? Um, well, you know, in the elite world, we had these camps every month that we were going to in Texas, the Curly Ranch. So he was at the Curly Ranch a lot of times, but my experience with him came actually in 2012 at the PNG Championships, um, which is a big meet for us. It's like kind of the qualifier to make the national team for USA. And... Um, at the time, I was at Ohio, and so we were kind of like an underdog gym, and I really did feel like my coach at the time was just kind of doing any and everything to get on her good side, onto Marta Caroli. She was the head of USA Gymnastics, Team USA. I feel like she was trying to do anything to get on her good side and just make, you know, make her look good, make me look good, just anything. So if Marta said go to Nasser, we were going to Nasser. Mm-hmm. And um, my first real injury was at that meet, 2012 PNG Championships. I tore my hamstring. Of course, right? <laughs> and I had oh, like a gosh. high hamstring tear. <gasps> so, you know, he was working on me on the table. It was pretty, it was kind of in public too. So I was like looking around and my coach actually, I felt like she saw it, but she didn't say anything. Just kind of like looked away, looked on her phone. So then I was like, well, we're not saying anything, you know? So I've never said anything even like till just now, like is the first time I've ever even said something because I feel like, even when a lot of girls were coming out, I feel like a lot of people had it way worse than I did because it was just that one time. And I was like, I'm never, you know, like I was like, you know, my coach, we're never going back to him again, like ever again. And she's like, why not? You know, she's getting mad at me. I'm like, I don't care. Like, wow. we're not doing it. So I never went back to him. I was at least able to have enough courage to tell her, like, we can't go back to him. But I just. Which is incredible, by the way. Yeah. I mean, how you. old were you? 12. Oh, my God. I mean, so to, yeah. to have the fortitude at 12, yeah. to know that that, that is just wrong. not an acceptable yeah. way to be treated and yeah. to actually use your voice to stand up for yourself is yeah. so incredible. I mean, you are amazing. Thank you. Truly. It's really incredible that you were able to do that. Thanks. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's okay. Yeah. Do you feel like the culture of USA Gymnastics is changing? Is it changing I really, enough? I really hope it does change. Um I don't know if it's changing enough, honestly. I would like to see like just drastic changes. But we have we do have women leading the team now, which I really love. Um, you know, Marta was a woman as well, but there was a lot of male coaches still involved. Mm-hmm. And I just would love to see a lot more women. But you know, we do need male coaches for spotting and just like catch me if I fly you know, yeah. like a girl. I am not I'm not catching you, you know, like <laughs> so you better find a man to catch you. you know? yeah. But um yeah, I would like to see I think more change and just more people being proactive about the change. I feel like we like we all rally really hard for just like one moment and then it just kind of dies down. Right. And I would just like to see consistency throughout. But, you know, there's only so much we can do. And it's just, I mean, I feel like the worst people are always at camps and schools because yeah. that's where the kids are, right? Mm-hmm. So 100%. that's where yeah. the predators are. Right. And it's mm-hmm. just so, um, in your story, when I was... Twelve. I fired my tennis coach, and everyone was so horrified that I would fire him because he was so amazing. My parents didn't want to fire him, and I called him. My they made me call him myself to fire him, but 
he turned out to be a huge pedophile. And it was one of those things where no one, you know, I think that the tendency is not to expect the yeah. worst. There, it's to expect the best of someone who is an expertise in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it definitely right. overshadows a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. But I agree. Thank you so much for talking to us. You were amazing. Amazing. Thank you, guys. That's um, your speed we'll round. We'll do a speed round really quick. So we'll ask you some quick questions. Oh, okay. One second. Speed round. This okay. is a fun part. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Who leaves you starstruck? Beyonce. Oh, I love that. We've never gotten that no. one. No. Obviously, right? I no, mean, like, it's such an obvious one. Yeah, but Beyonce. it's such an obvious one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so Jaw good. dropping. She's amazing. I've never she's met her. Amazing. Yeah. She's, no, she's amazing. I'd love to one day, right? What are you reading right now? My goodness. I'm reading this book. It's actually called Mindset. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I started it in college, um, yeah. but it's just basically learning how to have a growth mindset yeah. from a fixed mindset to a growth mm-hmm. mindset, which, you know, I had a fixed mindset and I would like to think I have a growth mindset now. And are, if not, I'm working towards having a growth mindset. Where would you like to go on vacation? Bora Bora. Oh, I love it. Ready. I'm ready now. My bags are packed. <laughs> would anybody like to take me? I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready now. How would your friends describe you? Oh, my goodness. I think... Crazy, a little crazy, funny, like crazy in a good way, not like crazy, crazy, but like crazy, like what are you doing, crazy? (laughs) What are you doing over there? Like, I don't know. Um, Fun, and definitely I would say, I feel like they know that I have their backs Mm -hmm. and that I would do anything for them and that they know that they can call me. Yeah. Thank you so so much. much. Thank you guys. Sam, what even made you think to ask about Larry Nasser? I don't know. I just had this weird sense that she must, it was like the age that she was a top gymnast. And there was something also about, like, I think, as you know, like I had a coach who was a pedophile and I feel like there's some radar I have when someone's been through something. I just felt like there was more to her story. And she's such a remarkable woman. And there's also a part of her that's clearly very fragile, I want to say, or, you know, vulnerable. And I was so impressed with her for sharing everything with us and even just the way she talked about it. She is truly remarkable. I mean, this is a woman who, you know, was competing at this elite level that very few people in the world could ever understand when she was 11, 12. And to then layer on top of it at, at that age, when she was still a child, she was assaulted by a monster. Well, and the, the crazy thing is that this is the first time she's ever shared this publicly, and it won't even make a difference in the case because the number of people, the sheer number of people that were impacted by that monster is so enormous that one more person doesn't impact the case. You know, I, I think that it also speaks to just how difficult it is to be part of an individual sport, right? She felt so pressured from so many directions at a young age. And I think there is something to that, you know, whether it's tennis, whether it's swimming, whether it's gymnastics, ice skating, there is just nothing comparable to being the winner or the loser all on your own. Yeah, I mean, that's a really articulate way of saying all of that. And I think, you know, one thing, although this can't impact Nasser's criminal case and he is in prison where he will stay and where he should be, Nia is a coach now. And I think, you know, she does coach. You know, I don't think that's her full-time profession, but she does some coaching. And I think there is something so powerful about her ability 
to use her voice, both as someone who in some ways survived being put into elite athletics as a child, because I think it is something that, you know, you're psychologically being put in a place that few adults can handle. And so to be able to mentor young women and men in the same position is remarkable. And then also as a survivor, to be able to share her story, that matters very, very much. When we have young guests like this, you know, Nia is, is in her early 20s. I think we've had a couple of others, Tori Dunlop. We've had Victoria Garrick, and we have another one coming up. I feel like there's also so much left of her story. There's so much left to tell, and it will just be interesting to see where and how this unfolds there's a discovery that you haven't gone through and a, a personal journey you haven't gone through when you're in your 20s. And that changes over time in your 30s, 40s. I think it really comes into fruition in terms of who you're going to be and who you're meant to be. So I think that there's so many chapters of Nia's story that have yet to be written. Thanks for listening to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We would appreciate it if you leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, connect with us on social media at What's Her Story Podcast. What's Her Story with Sam and Amy is powered by my company, The Riveter, at theriveter.co and Sam's company, Park Place Payments, at parkplacepayments.com. Thanks to our producer, Stacey Para, and our male perspective, Lou Burns. <laughs>